I'm going to look at Matthew chapter 12, and we are uh, walking through a message series called The Kingdom Within. Uh, we're walking through the entire gospel of, of Matthew, and today I, I want to talk to you a little bit about outrageous laws. You know, there are some outrageous laws that still exist in the world today. For instance, um, in Minneapolis, it's illegal to tease a skunk. Um, <laughs> In Toledo, Ohio, it's illegal to throw a reptile at someone. Um, in Texas, it's illegal to sell your eyeballs. And, believe it or not, sure. And um, then um, in Topeka, Kansas, it's illegal to annoy a squirrel. I don't know how you would annoy a squirrel. Act like nuts, probably. That would be it. As outrageous as those laws are, we're going to look at a law today that was just crazy. How religion could ever get to the point where it would outlaw love is beyond our imagination, and yet that is exactly what we're going to look at today. So read with me in Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor of those who were with him, but only for the priest. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and yet are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And he went on from there, and he entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. And he said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into the pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Now again... How in the world could religion get to the point where it would outlaw doing good, outlaw loving because of some ceremonial rule? And yet that's exactly what happened. This theme is very similar to what we looked at last week of how upside down the Jewish re religion had become. And so in this passage, we're going to look at two essential questions that are asked and answered, okay? And they're starkly different. The first question is a religious question. That question is this, is it lawful? Is it lawful? It's really found in verses 2 and 10. They said, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And then down in verse 10, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? This is the question that religion inherently asks. Now here's what's going on. The disciples became hungry on the Sabbath. Jesus gave them permission to pick grain. And of course, according to the, Sabbath, the, the, the Jewish laws of the Sabbath, that was working. And then Jesus tells them with this accusation, he tells these Pharisees, these religious leaders about David from 1 Samuel chapter 21. 
how, how David had been anointed king at this point, and yet he was running from King Saul because Saul was uh, intimidated by David, grew paranoid about David, and Saul chased him to kill him. And David grew hungry on the Sabbath. He came up to the tabernacle, and Ahimelech, the priest, was there, and he told the priest that he was hungry, and there in the tabernacle, in the presence of God, there in the tabernacle, there's the showbread, the table of showbread, 12 loaves that represented the 12 tribes of Israel. No one is to eat them. Those loaves stood there as a symbol in the tabernacle of God's presence with the people of Israel and with the tribes of Israel. And each day, those loaves would be replaced with new loaves, and only the priests could eat those loaves after they were used in the tabernacle. Well, Ahimelech the priest gave that bread to David and to his men. And of course, they would not object to that because David was their hero. So the ideal here is that ceremony never, ever replaces doing good. And it's illustrated in the Old Testament. And then Jesus talks about how, how priests work and minister on the Sabbath. And how yet that is lawful to do. They do good on the Sabbath. They light fires. They kill animals. They offer sacrifices. They work on the Sabbath. And so Jesus is saying that essentially the Sabbath is something, an opportunity to do good. And whenever good is presented as an opportunity on the Sabbath, it is right to do what is good and what is right. So this inherent question that really all religions ask is what is the um, legal thing to do before God? Christianity really asks a different question. Christianity is essentially at heart not about religion. It's about a relationship with a God who loves us. See, religion spells faith D-O, do. Do what you can, man's attempt to reach to God. Christianity spells faith D-O-N-E. It's not man reaching to God. It is God reaching to man through Christ. It is done. It is finished. It is accomplished through Jesus. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. So we go back and we say, well, why this question then? Why, why the obsession in religion with lawfulness and legalism? I think there's really two answers to that question. First of all, the law, laws, legalism make us feel right before God. There's this inherent thing in religion that says we must earn God's approval. And therefore we are to work and we are to strive and we are to keep rules and do good in order for God to love us. And yet the Bible says that no one is righteous. No, not one. But we also focus on legalism, laws, rules, because it makes us feel better than others. In other words, if I can, can, can perform better than others, then I'm better than them. I'm more right before God. I have more favor of God upon me. It's about comparison. It's about status. And yet the Bible says that all are sinners. And that all fall short of the glory of God. Again, this is what makes Christianity so unique. The good that we do, the good that we should do, flows from a different place. It flows from a different source. We don't do good to earn God's approval. We do good because we have God's approval through faith in Jesus Christ. Works in Christianity are an act of gratitude, not an act of trying to earn something from God that we could never ever earn or deserve with the realization that we are not perfect and we never will be. 
We admit we fail. We admit we fall short. We don't act in ways to prove that we don't. A harsh difference. Now Jesus comes and he says, listen, you've got your priorities all out of whack. He, he, he comes and he, he draws a distinction between the law of Moses and the man-made traditions. Remember we talked about this last week? Jesus is not throwing out the entire law. Remember he said, I've not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. To bring the spirit and heart of God back into it. And so he, he's not just throwing it all out. He's fulfilling it. He's throwing out the traditions of men. He's throwing out those rules and regulations that have been added to the law of Moses and passed down again for centuries. There were two codes of law in the Jewish faith. There was the law of Moses, which we have written here in the Old Testament. And we have the ceremonial laws, the man-made traditions. We looked at those last week some. And there were hundreds of Sabbath laws in the Talmud. We read some of them from the Mishnah last week. Hundreds. I shared with you last week that I looked up the Mishnah, just a part of the Talmud, these ceremonial laws, these oral traditions, these traditions of men. I looked up the English translation of the Mishnah. It was 844 pages long. Hundreds, thousands of things for these people to do that would make them feel right before God and would make them feel right before other people. There were hundreds of Sabbath laws as well included. Laws on the Sabbath. For example, you couldn't travel more than 3,000 feet from your house unless on Friday you had planted some food 3,000 feet away. And then on Saturday you could travel to that place where you had planted food and that would become a home. And so from that place, you could travel another 3,000 feet. That's the way it worked. Whenever there was a narrow street or an alley, if you put a rope or a wire or a board across from one dwelling to the other side of the street to another dwelling, it created an entrance. Therefore, the street was turned into a home. This was the loophole. And you could go another 3,000 feet from that place. Things could be lifted up and put down only to and from certain places. So you couldn't pick up something and put it down in the same place. You could put up something in one place, let's say a narrow place, and you could take it to a wide place and put it down. That was okay to do. You could fit something or pick up something in a public place and go and put it down in a private place, and that was legal to do. But the other was not. If you threw an object with one hand and caught it with your other hand, it was a violation of the Sabbath. But if you threw it up and you caught it with the same hand, it was okay. A tailor couldn't carry a needle on the Sabbath lest he be tempted to sew something that ripped. A scribe couldn't carry his pen because he might write. A pupil couldn't carry his scrolls because he might read. And on and on and on it goes. And as we looked at last week, it became burdensome. And it became ridiculous. And it became upside down. Priorities all out of whack. It's a great illustration of how things that are designed for a certain purpose actually in time undermine that purpose being accomplished. Let me give you an example. Think about the uh, inventions that we have, modern technology. We have the automobile. We have the airplane. We have the cell phone. We have the computer. We have the refrigerator. We have all these things that, in essence, are designed to allow us more time, right? Hopefully, more leisure time. More time to do what's important. 
But I want to submit to you that those very things that are intended for a certain purpose are the very things that undermine that purpose being accomplished. So in a given 24-hour period, 50 years ago, you could achieve A, B, C, and D. Now with modern technology, in that same 24-hour period, you can achieve A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It just keeps going, right? Because you're able to squeeze more into the same amount of time. We've abused, listen, we've abused the very things that were intended for a certain purpose. This is what happened with the Jewish law. It was out of whack. And Jesus comes and say, says that, listen, the Sabbath rules are making it more difficult to rest than it was to work for the other six days. <laughs> the Sabbath rules are more work trying to rest than there was work trying to work. It's just totally crazy. One section of the Talmud had 24 chapters of Sabbath laws. This is what Jesus is addressing. So Jesus broke the Sabbath as they defined it in order to truly honor it. And there's some application for you and me to this. It's an understanding of what God's laws are all about. So the first question, is it lawful? But Jesus' question is this, is it right? Is it right? Not what is the rule, but what is it that would honor God and do good for others? Look at verses 11 and 12. Jesus says, listen, guys, which one of you has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of course you will, is the implied answer to that question. And then Jesus says, of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on a Sabbath. Jesus is saying this, whatever is right is lawful. You've got it the other way around. You've defined what is right by what is lawful. Jesus is saying what is right is lawful. It is the right thing to do. In fact, not doing the right thing is unlawful. God wants most a merciful heart. That was the intent of the Sabbath. To allow us to rest and to restore so that we could worship and focus on him and to be filled once again to go about his mercy and compassion in this world but they had created an upside down religion a, a religion where a, a rule would be more important than a person being healed and then Jesus just illustrates the power of this inverted thinking he compares a sheep to a person how many of you, if you have a sheep that falls into a hole, it's not going to lift it out of there. Of course you're going to. It's an economic question for you. It's an economic thing. Jesus is saying this, you would rescue a sheep, but you wouldn't rescue a man. How crazy is that? A religion had pushed out righteousness. And I'm telling you, that can happen in today's world. And the religion that was intended to do something can undermine that thing from happening. In fact, you can break the commands of God with the traditions of men. Jesus said it explicitly in Matthew chapter 15. He said to the Pharisees, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? It can happen. It does happen. This is the example of doing things right as compared to doing right things. Religion is about doing things right, the right way, following the rules. 
Jesus, Christianity is about doing right things. Let me give you an example of this, an illustration. Immediately coming out of seminary, I was a youth pastor at First Baptist Church, Orlando, Florida. And um, we had large facilities, and um, lots of them were used during the week for certain functions. We had a group of senior citizens who wanted to use one of the Sunday school rooms on a Monday or Tuesday. I don't remember what it was. But the room was locked, and they had not filled out a calendar request form. And we had our facilities director who stood in front of that Sunday school room and would not let a group of senior citizens into the room because they had not filled out a calendar request form. By the way, he didn't last too long at the church. Things out of priority, right? Should they have filled out the form? Of course. It's helpful. It makes things manageable that way, but the room was empty. It wasn't being used. It's where we put rules over relationship. And this is inherently the heart of what Jesus is talking about. It's the contrast between religion and Jesus. Let's look at that contrast for just a moment. There, there are these two opposing sides that contrast each other that help us get a grasp on what's going on here. So religion is concerned about rules. Jesus is concerned about relationship. Religion is concerned about processes, procedures, policies, that kind of thing. Jesus is concerned about people. Religion is concerned about doing things right. Jesus is concerned about us doing the right things. Religion is about how it's done. The way it's done. Jesus is concerned about why it's done. Religion is about elevating the way of doing things over the why. And here's the inherent question that Jesus is asking them, he's asking us. If in doing, we miss the heart of God, if in keeping rules and following rules, we miss the heart of God, what have we gained? Nothing. We have a useless faith. So Jesus held the law in proper perspective, and thus he kept it in its proper place. Looking closely at his choices, in most instances, doing the right thing for him revolved around the core subject of people. It was people that mattered to Christ. It was people for whom he died. And it was ministry toward him that mattered the most. It was for him. It needs to be the same for you and me. So the religious question, is it lawful? The Jesus question, is it right? But let's look at the final thing here, the authority of Jesus. <laughs> what is the reason that Jesus has so much authority on this subject of the Sabbath? Well, he answers that question. He says uh, in verse 7, And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. By the way, he's quoting Hosea 6.6 6 there. Jesus is saying, if you really understood the Hebrew Scriptures, if you really understood the heart of God in the Old Testament, the heart of God that would say in Deuteronomy 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. How in the world did you miss that? How in the world did you elevate the petty and the insignificant and the unimportant to places of prominence? If you'd understood what it meant when it said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would, you would not have condemned the guiltless. It says, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, there's two things going on here, okay? 
where Jesus is displaying his authority on the subject. The first thing is found earlier in the passage where Jesus says, listen, something greater than the temple is here. And guys, that was shocking because the temple to the Jews was everything. It was the presence of God for them in the material world, in the physical world. And of course, Jesus came to say that God does not reside in buildings and in things. He resides in the hearts of men. And he would say, something greater than the temple is here. I am here, and I am greater than the temple. It was his claim to deity. (laughs) And if they weren't already upset about this, this did it in verse 8 when he says, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Again, another claim to him being Messiah, him being deity. He's saying this, I initiated the Sabbath, and gentlemen, I will interpret it. What a claim. And that claim, he's either a blasphemer or he is God. He, he is saying, you are not the one in charge of the Sabbath. I'm the one in charge of the Sabbath. It is his. It was his. He wrote it. He would interpret it. He would fulfill it. And he would not allow anyone to pervert it. He is saying, I am God. That's his authority. He is Lord of the Sabbath. So here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus connected the Sabbath with the heart of God. What's the intended purpose of it? It's benevolence and mercy and kindness and goodness. Jesus would say, isn't that the purpose of the law after all? The purpose of it is to do good. Now, again, he's not throwing out all law. Please get this. Because some people would read this and say, okay, well, all law we can break. No. He's talking about ceremonial law, traditions of men that have been added to the law of Moses. Not moral law. The law of Moses is moral law. It's right and wrong based upon God's standards. Those things are to be heeded. But he's talking about man-made traditions that get in the way of those things being accomplished. The Sabbath, he said, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That's what he said in Mark chapter 2. So so here's what's going on. Wouldn't it make sense for the Sabbath to be the day of all days where something good should occur? Wouldn't that honor God? Wouldn't that reflect what the Sabbath was all about in the first place? Wouldn't you think the Sabbath of all days would be the day to do good and to heal someone and provide the compassion and the mercy of God to another person? Wouldn't that honor the Sabbath truly? Absolutely it would. So here are a couple of applications for you and me. What do do we get out of this? First of all, it illustrates the extent to which God is willing to go to show compassion and mercy. Jesus was willing to break all kinds of non-essential, petty rules in order to display the heart of God to others. Jesus did that, and he did more. Jesus came from heaven to earth, and he was born in a dirty stable. He walked this earth, and he dealt with our junk and our mess, and he would die a cruel cross. He broke every proper code of conduct for God. Something outside of what was his right, what he should have done, 
He set those aside in order to do the right thing so that we might enter into a relationship with God through Christ. And he pours out his grace and his goodness and his mercy and his kindness and his peace, his compassion, and his tenderness. And he stoops, breaking ceremonial rules, breaking rules of propriety in order to do what was right. That's how willing God is. And there's another application for you and me. Here it is. Never let a rule stand in the way of doing a right thing. Never, ever let a non-essential ceremonial rule, man-made rule, stand in the way of doing something that is right. Jesus might would say it this way, rules are made for people, not people for rules. And here's the bigger thing. Love, despite rules, love always figures out a way of doing right. In our church, we have tried to create a place of grace. Fully committed to God's moral laws and his standards, there is a right and wrong. But that we don't create a place of cult where we almost think alike and look alike and behave alike. We're a place of diversity. There are things that unite us in common. We are committed to those things. But beyond the essentials, there are many non-essentials. Those essentials are left up to the interpretation of individuals as under the Holy Spirit, as guided by God. And in that sense, there is grace that flows in and through this place. Love permeates what we're about here. We never, ever let a non-essential rule, a ceremonial kind of thing, a way of doing something, trump the right thing to do. May that be true for us. But may that be true in your individual life. Let love, let compassion rule your heart, not rules. It is lawful to do right on the Sabbath. Conversely, Jesus would say this, it's unlawful to not do right on the Sabbath. Let love, mercy, compassion rule. Bow our heads.